I'm Chris Barker. And I'm Will Betts, and this is the Music Tech My Forever Studio podcast, brought to you in partnership with Audient. In this podcast, we speak with musicians, DJs, engineers, and producers about their Fantasy Forever studio. The imaginary studio that our guests dream up today will be one that they must live with until the end of time. But even in the world of Studio Foreverdom, we have some rules. Yes, the rules. So our guests get to select a computer, a DAW and an audio interface. Those are free items. We let everybody choose those. Then our guests will choose just six other bits of studio kit, plus one non-gear related luxury item. But there's one more rule, isn't there, Chris? Yes. No bundles! No bundles, that's right. Choosing something sold as a package of separate software or hardware as a single item is not allowed. This time we are joined by one of the most talented keyboard players on the planet. Yes, our guest this time is not only a member of the progressive metal band Dream Theatre and a solo artist, he's also an enormous gearhead. That's right. If you're into synths, you have doubtless seen our guest demoing the latest and greatest instruments all over YouTube and perhaps at NAMM, but with so many synths at his disposal already... How will he find slimming down his studio to just six items? Well, let's find out. This is My Forever Studio with Jordan Rudis. Welcome. Welcome, Jordan. Hello, guys. How's it going? Very, very good. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Just happy to be home in the middle of some uh, touring. We've been running around. We just got back from Europe uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, have a break. Going to go out and do NAMM, which I'm happy about, and then yeah. we'll be off to Asia to do a whole bunch more shows. Wow, so it's no, a non-stop. Yeah, I mean, nobody's complaining about it after the pandemic. Everybody's glad to be back out there and doing things, aren't they? It's, uh, yeah, no no moaning about touring anymore. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. We, we actually had a really good time floating around Europe, even though it was winter time, and I was a little bit uh, on edge about the idea of traveling through uh, all these different countries in the dead of winter, but it actually... Uh, I guess thanks to a bit of global warming and such, we 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 did okay. <laughs> nice. You know, it was all smooth. And what about um, recordings? I mean, is it, is it all touring this year, or are you, are you are you constantly finding time to be in the studio as well? Uh, well, I actually I was just spending some time in the studio because I'm writing a piece for the MIDI Association's 40th anniversary. So wow. working on a kind of uh, global composition, if you will, to perform. Um, at the at the NAM show in yeah. the concert there to celebrate the uh the fortieth. It's a big it's a big big event. It's so funny with MIDI, isn't it? Forty years and it's it's not that much has changed really. <laughs> in a way this <laughs> Right. <laughs> MIDI is MIDI, right? It does yeah. does what it does. Yeah. And yeah. that's what we like. I mean that's kind of why it's cool. Um Right, right. So I mean you heard a bit of the intro there about the podcast, uh, and for anybody listening in, we can see Jordan on Zoom here, and uh, there's a lot of kit behind you already, so it's going to be interesting to see. And that's just what we can see behind you. Uh, for anybody, I mean, you can check out your studio. There's various shots of it on YouTube and, and online, isn't there? But um, sure. it's going to be interesting to see you slim this down to the Forever Studio. So before we get before we dig too hard into the gear, yeah, let's let's talk about where in the universe you, you would have your perfect studio you know sky's the limit and where oh. what what that vibe would be like what would it look like inside what how would it be designed what's what's your ideal vibe well what's interesting about the whole idea is that although i have a ton of instruments and you know spaces to put them i don't really have a beautiful like seem a sound studio as part of my uh, home situation it would be nice uh this never been something that i you know really focused on put together uh, 
you know, I have more of a, uh, I call it like a the man cave where I go and I do my work and my computer's there with a keyboard and a bunch of keyboards and, you know, and that's just kind of like what that is. So thinking about, oh, if I really could like find a place and check it out, it's kind of a cool, cool thing. So did the man cave just get out of hand? Or did you actually go, right, this is going to be the studio when you when like... You well, know. what happened in my life of gear and and just being home and all the things I do is that my man cave actually, at one point years ago, there just be- became too many things to put in it, too many keyboards. For some reason, people like to send me keyboards, so uh, <laughs> and I have a hard time saying no. <laughs> I feel you. Although I think I think I better learn to say no soon, so I'm running out of space. But um, it's a tough problem. Let me tell you. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Got to sneak yeah. in the keyboards right from the, nobody else sees them come in. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so too many things were there, and then I had to. I kind of expanded uh, into, I guess, what would what a, was formerly a living room. But now it's a piano room because the centerpiece of the of my room right now is my nine foot Steinway Grand. Ah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's sitting right. I'm looking at it. It's right in the center of this room, which is surrounded by another ton of keyboards and cameras and lights and stuff like that, and guitars as a whole. I'm working on my guitar collection of late, <laughs> actually, which is pretty crazy. Stop sending um, keyboards. Start sending guitars. That's what you're saying for anybody tuned in. There you go. There you go. Um, actually, I just got an amazing guitar yesterday from Indonesia, which is a lot. It has LEDs in it. It lights up in all these cool different colors. If you check out my Instagram, I post it's the unboxing of it. It's really fun. That sounds cool. Um, ama- amazing creation. But yeah, that's kind of like my thing. So I have one room where I do like my live streams and my piano playing and you know, nowadays I'm practicing my Osmos uh, technique, the new expressive uh, instrument, mm-hmm. and uh, and the other one where you know when it's time to actually record something, I kind of sneak out there and I'm in my little cave. But yeah, so where would I want it? Um, I'm imagining like you know some like uh, hilltop or mountaintop in like Hawaii. Like why mm. not? Right? It's yep, got a yep. it's beautiful windows overlooking the water, or just a you know nice airy open space. And uh, yeah, I think that that m- might be my uh, choice at least for today. It's interesting that this conversation when with our guests that we have on the show uh, generally goes one or two ways. It's either people that want. A, a windowless like bunker <laughs> like an oubliette yeah oh interesting or people that want loads of natural light and windows it's quite extreme isn't it well like you see the choices yeah oh interesting yeah. yeah i'm totally into the open you know just beautiful view that 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 would be my my type of thing how, how do you like to work do you like to be sort of unbothered and remote or do you like to be part of a community or, or near you know near life as such Oh, I wouldn't mind being, as long as I, my internet was really, like, you know, happening, which in this dream studio, of course, it would be fly, flying fast. Of you course, know. of course, yeah. Super fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could just be wherever. Okay, so you're not you're not concerned with, like, needing to be near bars and coffee shops and whatever, like, that kind of life? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, probably a little bit of life would be good. <laughs> okay. Run down to the Starbucks or whatever yeah. and get, get my fix, but... Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, the general kind of stuff, it could be quiet, just okay. peaceful. And and how, what about design wise? Like, um, obviously, we've got you know acoustically. But have you have you been in studios 
in your career, like commercial facilities or friends, and you've gone, wow, this, I love the vibe in here. I mean, can you tell us some stories about some of the places you've walked into or worked or recorded at? Well, um, an old friend of mine, I don't know, it might be too many years ago, you guys to know it was Frank Kamatali, who did, did a lot of the design building of like the hip factory and stuff like that back in the day. Mm, wow. Yeah. And in those days, we would hang out, and I just remember walking into the rooms and going, oh, this is really beautiful. That's at the Hit Factory? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Dream Theater, actually, years ago, when I first joined the band, uh, we recorded at Bear Tracks, a wow. studio, which was up in, uh, kind of near me, up near in Rockland County, New York. Beautiful stone, like, house building. It just the vibe was just really really awesome correct me if i'm wrong but i remember reading a, like you know great studios kind of coffee table kind of book and isn't that the one that had like the kind of the well that you could lower the mic into and it had like they had a, a reverb sort of well or am i making that up I, I don't know it sounds like that could have been that place but i don't i don't know specifically i think they had like a speaker in the in the bottom of the well wired and they had it patched in the studio and then a microphone and you wow. could lower the microphone and obviously like reamp signal and Amazing. Get like that, a stone. But th this is the studio where Dream Theater recorded scenes from a memory. Right. Okay. And Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. In fact, it had a nice vibe. It was just an old stone house, which kind of the inside looks almost look like a church or something like that. Or, okay. It was just really uh, warm and kind of nice vibe. But I also like I also like modern. When I'm picturing this studio we're talking about, yep. I'm picturing more of a modern kind of a vibe, very clean, open. You know, not not a lot of unnecessary stuff in it. Okay. There'd be light light colors and just kind of very, well, I guess open was the the vibe. So maybe all sort of stone and church like on the outside, and kind of modern and minimal on the inside. Is that what you're well, kind of thinking? Well, I like the stone and church thing, but in this particular fantasy, actually, I'm I'm thinking more just future modern kind of okay look, like yeah. on the edge of a cliff. I'm always trying to upsell people on being on the edge of a cliff with an underpinned. Well, it's because yeah, Will lives his life on a cliff edge. That's why. So right, right. The cliff thing sounds a little precarious these days, okay. especially right. But hey, I suppose you yeah. got a lot of beads you can dream. So if that one falls down the cliff, so they get another one. Yeah, right. yes. exactly. That's, that's true. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so the next little three items we have that every guest gets before we get started because we feel like every studio sort of has them or needs them and that's a computer a daw and an audio interface so these are your free items these don't eat into your item budget so tell us what of these three you would have in your forever studio well i'm a mac guy so i mean i'd probably just go for the most blown out mac computer <laughs> yep, yep. that is humanly or physically possible and I already, uh, like, I'm a logic guy, so I don't want to learn anything new. So I will... let's stick with that. Yeah. <laughs> and also one of my very close friends is the logic project manager for Apple. So that always helps when you're in deep in these programs. To, <laughs> like, I'm not getting any sound. Hello. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with this? Which button do I press? Yeah. Um, and then uh, as far as audio interface, that's a really good question. I mean, I'm actually... Just I was just visiting uh, my buddy Stephen Wilson's studio in the UK, and he was um, he was kind of letting me hear some of his new new music, but um, and it's all you know he's very big into the Atmos thing, mm. so um, 
it made me think, oh man, I really got to do that. But that's like the next step, you, you know, to mm-hmm. try to figure out how to position all that. But, um, and as far as which, you know, I, so, you know, I, I obviously would want to be set up with this in the new, in the new, uh, environment. So I honestly don't know like the names of the, the models of the audio interfaces, but you know, probably some kind of, uh, Apollo uh, interfaces that would allow me to uh, run all the channels that I need. Do you have like Atmos compatible interfaces or is it literally just an output issue? I mean, do you just need something with loads of outputs that you can just assign speakers to outputs and then you've got some kind of middleware that deals with all of that? That's it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. Oh, that's good. That's good that I knew that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good, good work. Yeah, you passed that test. Okay, because that, that was just a complete guess. I just did, I didn't know whether you need like a, a Dolby Atmos certified audio audio interface kind of thing, but no. Okay, right. So you just need loads of outs just to run all the speakers and everything. Yeah, right, right. Well, I mean, what do you run now? Uh, right now, I have a um, a Zoom uh what is it a zoom mixer that is the audio interface hmm. uh in my studio that kind of does the job it's interesting yeah, because nothing fancy. this is another thing with guests on the show that i'm, I'm just spotting yeah. little pants here the more like musical which you very much are the guests the less they care yeah. about the the sort of you know the the technology of the interface it's just about instruments and sound we had this with other guests as well like yeah i mean honestly like it's funny my my musical technical life is interesting in the sense that I am deep into tech music tech stuff. Mm. Like I have a, a company that makes apps and, you know, we yeah. do all kinds of cool stuff, physical modeling and sampling and all the different things. But, but as deep as I am into that, I'm also not that into some of the other tech stuff. Like yeah. if it's an audio, if it's like an audio interface, I'm like, I yeah. say to my studio tech, what do we need to do what I want to do? And yeah. he's more kind of into that side of it. Oh, well, here's a link, you know, let's go check mm. out this interface. I'm like, okay, cool. So, so. so what are we thinking for the Atmos thing? Which we get, are we going to go for a universal, universal audio? That seems to be a classic choice. Or I mean, Will, do you want to what? upsell some dreams here? Yeah. Uh, upsell your dreams. Nice. So, uh, so if you wanted to stay in the universal audio family, you could go up to an Apollo x16 that's their biggest with the most line outs hey this is the dream studio so i might as well yeah. up it to the highest end uh you know apollo interfaces done all right sold locked in so that's what you've got already in the studio you've just got those three things right so item number one what are you thinking for your studio well it needs to have you know an incredible piano in there so we either need mm-hmm. to just get the one i have in my place delivered over there or just get yeah. another one so tell us when you got the the one you've got there and uh you know it's, it's a big day like getting a nine foot piano isn't it yeah <laughs> so right right how long have you had it uh so this piano i got uh actually for my 50th birthday which was a little while ago and um actually a funny funny story about this piano is that but around the time we had bought this piano and decided that, okay, you know, I've been playing the piano my whole life. My wife and I were like, let's just, let's just invest in like a really amazing piano. About the same time as I got this piano, I was also developing MorphWiz, which was the first uh, iOS app that I was, that I kind of put into the world. And I was playing with the iPhone a lot. The original one didn't make any good sounds, didn't have any good visuals on it. It was kind of the experience was, you know, kind of crappy. 
Um, but cool for what it was back then. But I was so sitting around a lot, running my finger on the screens, just making like a sine wave sound. And my wife one day said to me, what are you doing? We have that amazingly beautiful piano in the other room. <laughs> You're sitting around making this stupid sound on, the, on your iPhone. I was like, no, no, no. It's okay. I got something in my mind. I got an idea. And I mean, maybe it was the one time I was right, but that year I came out with MorphWiz, which won the Billboard Award for the best music app. Yeah. So after that came out, I, then I spent more time on my piano. <laughs> to, yeah. So this piano, so the piano I have is a really beautiful piano. Um, I wouldn't mind just having this. This this piano is a dream come true uh, for me. So it's pretty high level, but it's it's a Steinway piano, which was rebuilt by Faust Harrison, which are probably some of the most famous piano rebuilders, at least in our country. Um, and it's really, it's gorgeous. And um, is that a particular model of Steinway? Or it's a Steinway it, D. It's a D, okay. That's the nine-foot grand piano. Nice. Right. And, uh, you know, so that would definitely have to be in the studio. But the other thing that has to be in the studio, um, if I'm going to have that piano, is a good way to record it, right? So... Mm. So in the piano right now, I have, I don't remember the model number, but there are some Earth, Earthworks uh, piano mics. So we're going on to item number two. So we're locking the piano. Yeah. Item number two, we're looking at a microphone, or are we looking at items number two and three for microphones? You tell me. This is where it gets complicated. You're going to get to your six very quickly. So oh, I see what you're saying. Well, okay. well, let's just let's just get one uh, model microphone. And so you, you're still you're thinking Earthworks? Yeah, I love it. It sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. And do you know which Earthworks model it is? We we go that nerdy on here. It's a bar. You know, it's like a bar that sits in the piano. Maybe it's the PM40. Oh, are these a stereo pair that come as a pair? We allow that as a bundle, don't we? Will like an actual? Yes. It sits so in the all... piano. It's a stereo pair. Uh, and I'm having a, I think, really think it's the PM40. So it's the proper piano mic system that is designed specifically for, and they're like ultra miniature. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's not a bundle then, Will. That's allowed. We're allowing that, right? That, I mean, oh. that is, it's a system. It's a system, right. But it's bundle adjacent, but it's not a bundle. So you've absolutely. Yeah. You've hacked the system there. You get both of those. That okay. is a hack. Yeah. It's a stereo, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, recording microphone thing. So yeah, I mean, as far as microphones go, We'll need those because we've got to capture the piano. So since there's only six things, I might have to not do any vocals in the new studio. But uh... <laughs> just sing into the piano mics. Yeah. You could just open the lid. See? Hold down the pedal, right? Yeah. Tape it down. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah. I did a session with David Bowie years ago, and there was an acoustic piano. A uh, like a, I think it was a Steinway Baby Grand. And there was an upright, one of these really tall uprights. And I walked mm -hmm. into the studio getting ready to do the piano track that day. And, and I thought, oh, I'm, you know, I'm definitely going to play the Steinway. When I got in there, David said, no, 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 we want you to play on the, uh, the upright. I was like, what? Uh, okay, whatever you want. So I started to play on the upright. And then Tony Visconti and David came and said, no, no, it doesn't quite sound, doesn't sound right. Try the other piano. So I played the grand piano, the baby grand, or whatever it was. They said, they came in and said no. And I'm starting to get like self conscious about you know what's going on, and they um, they said okay, we got an idea, and they moved the upright piano really right up against the the uh, baby grand, and they taped down the sustain pedal on the upright. They put the mics up against the open upright piano. They said now now play, so 
what they ended up doing is recording a big part of the sound was recording the resonance from the upright piano mm. right just from the from my playing the the baby grand and that's what they that's what they they said it was an old brian eno trick they were very excited about it wow i've never that's heard that before that's cool. great that's amazing yeah this the guy is good so they're, they, they're, yeah. they're physically touching the two like pianos to the pianos to, were right up, yeah they put yeah. the upright piano right up against the other one and just mic'd the open you know it was one of these really tall upright pianos and then just recorded that way and then they were very happy yeah amazing and what, tra <laughs> what track was that uh the track is called slip away it's off the heathen album awesome mm. we will be we'll be checking that out um, yeah it's a fun track very vintage uh bowie sounding yeah and I, yeah if anybody's been trying to nail that piano sound now they're like oh that's why no, i can't do it because i don't own two yeah. pianos right right exactly <laughs> there you go okay so we'll we've got the mics we've got we've got the grand so uh item number three mm. well we need to have definitely some synthesizers in there oh yeah yeah so that's that's pretty important i think based on my recent keyboard passion i would want to have an osmos keyboard in there because i don't know if you guys mm -hmm. heard about that but i've heard yeah. it but i don't know much about it tell us some more about it mm. okay so the osmos is i was just talking to the two guys who are like a couple of the main guys that created this instrument this morning actually um and i was just singing praises to them really because what they managed to do was to take the um traditional keyboard the black and white keyboard and really bring it to a level that probably nobody thought was really even possible. The keyboard now in the Osmos can be thought of as like a continuous instrument. Continuous meaning more like a, a bowed instrument or a wind instrument or even a human voice. And, you know, that's a big statement for a keyboard because most, you know, in history, keyboards are more like on and off switches, especially mm -hmm. according to Roger Lynn, who basically sometimes has said that, you know, and I get that, you know, piano, you press down the key and it hammer hits the string and then it's you know then you're just sitting around enjoying the sound of it hopefully if it's a good piano um and a synthesizer you know you press the note makes contact with the <clears throat> at the bottom of the key press hopefully and um and then you've got your sound and it's very much up to the synthesis of it how it evolves over time and all that mm. kind of good stuff or maybe have some sliders or anything like that um but on this instrument, you know, it's a, they really built something that, you know, is, is an augmented keyboard. So it does a bunch of cool, amazing things. Like, um, you can just put your finger very lightly on this keyboard at the top of it and just start to press down the slightest bit ever so slowly. And it'll track your finger. So it feels so perfect that you can just bring in notes really, really slowly and accurately. And every note is completely independent because it's an MPE style synthesizer. So mm -hmm. it's just really, really cool. The feeling, the feeling of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've never experienced that really on a, any kind of like keyboard before. Maybe a, it's a little similar to what my friend Roland Lamb, you know, invented in the mm -hmm. Seaboard because that's, mm -hmm. that's also a great invention, you know, where your finger can just be resting on it and then slowly start to push down and you get sound. But this again is on a, tr a traditional kind of like looking keyboard. So that's a tremendous part of it, that kind of ability to press down like that. But the other things about it is that, you know, how a, key a lot of keyboards have 
aftertouch, and some, if you're lucky, will have polyphonic aftertouch, mm. which is more in the spirit of the kind of instruments that I play, mostly like the MPE-style instruments. But on traditional kind of like synthesizer keyboards, you get to the bottom of the key, and then you keep pressing, and you're not really moving anywhere, but you're like triggering aftertouch, and it's generally not a very pleasant feeling for your hands or anything. Mm. It's it's a, kind of an annoying um, to the point where I'll just turn aftertouch off, believe it or not, on a lot of my keyboards when I'm recording, because I don't want to be bothered with that weird feeling and hitting it mm. by accident or anything like that. So with the Osmos, one of the engineering feats that they managed to do is that you can press the keys down and you feel like they're going down to a normal kind of like uh, distance or spot. And you're not really even thinking about it. But then when you stop and push a little more, there's this mysterious kind of cushiony area that you actually feel and it actually feels really pretty cool. And there's a lot of expression that is almost like hidden beneath the surface, if you will, because it's it's not interrupting your general play of the instrument, but it's there when you want it. And I told the guys this morning, I was like, how the hell did you do that? That must have taken a lot of experimentation because it's a real physical, physical thing. Mm. And they were saying that, you know, their approach to building the Osmos was that they wanted to build a classic instrument, almost like a, a cello maker. Somebody built a cello. They weren't trying to build like just a modern design kind of thing. They were trying to take mm -hmm. a classical and instrument building approach and make something that would at the same time be cutting edge. So that was the mission behind the thing that they were saying, which I thought was really cool. But the other thing about the Osmos is that it, the keys actually move side to side. So you can, it's not, when your finger goes down on it, it's not looking at where your, where your finger is location-wise in the space of a key, like some uh, technology we've seen, the strips mm. that can go over some keyboards. It is literally looking at the, the pressure on either side. Uh, so if you push mm. the key left or right, it can, you, can, you can program in how much pitch uh, distance you want. You can say, I want it every time I move left. You want it like a two octaves or, mm -hmm. you know, 48 wow. semitones. Or generally, I have it set for like a half a semitone because I want to do vibrato and I don't want it to get out of control. So, you know, three years ago when I saw this, the, the, like the prototype of the thing, you know, they, they showed it to me in a hotel room somewhere. Part of the, part of the challenge of a lot of these instruments that do stuff like that, whether it's a, continuum an eigenharp a seaboard or whatever or the osmos is mm. you don't nobody wants to play out of tune that's mm, just not yeah. fun you know so you think about something that's wiggling and you go holy shit what's going to happen here i'm going to always play out of tune but they kind of took you know the advice from people like me and other people and they you know built in a stabilization parameter that i think is probably mostly kind of time-based uh, so when you're just playing, it's not like the, key, the pitch is going all over the place because <laughs> you can't keep your finger right in the middle without pushing a little bit. So it ends up being, yeah, you need to have some control. You need to, you know, be able to handle playing a keyboard, but, but, uh, but it works and it's really, really cool. And is it, uh, does it have sound built into it? So one, mm. one more physical, two more physical gestures and I'll get, try to get through this more quickly. One is that the, um, there's a release element too so you can actually create sound on the release ah um but the other thing that is probably one of my favorite things about it is this thing called press glide i guess it's part of the egan matrix which is uh, originally was originally designed for the hawken continuum uh, but press glide is an awesome awesome feature 
what it means is that you can set up, a, a, you choose a particular interval, and when you choose that interval, that turns that spacing on the keyboard into a, uh, a monophonic zone. So in other words, you choose like um, a semitone. So you, that means you can't play like C and, and C sharp together, but you could play like C and D t together. So the reason you'd want that is because now if I play like, you know, two notes on the keyboard, let's say a fourth apart, I can move one of them like, like almost do like a lap steel kind of thing just by playing legato. So for any keyboardists or yeah. musicians yeah. out there, if I played like a, a B with my pinky, you know, and then I played an F sharp with my index finger and I played legato from F sharp to G, I could, I could bend, basically it sounds like it's bending the pitch from F sharp to G. And the amazing thing is about the portamento on the Osmos is that the speed of the portamento is all controlled by the pressure and the release of the different notes. So if you you could play like, you know, like C to G and go, bum, bum, and, or you could go, dun, yeah. or dun, okay, dun. So cool. it's how fast you let go of your your source note into your target. Now, it's like a seesaw. Yeah, kind of doing this thing. It's really, really cool. I mean, obviously, with with the Roly stuff and, and other stuff, there's been some kind of exploration of this. So you've played yeah. instruments like this before, but do you find right. yourself getting to grips with it relatively quickly? Well, the one of the advantages of this instrument is it's based on a keyboard. So it so just I've looks been, like. I mean, well, I'm looking at it now. It looks just like a keyboard, like as such. Yeah, uh, except for it's got all the it's got all these things that I've described as part of it. So the guys, in my opinion, these guys hit a home run with like you know, just taking something that you know is a classic kind of design that everybody knows you know for so long, the traditional keyboard, and augmenting it. And making it really do what we wanted to do. So how how does it interact? Is it is it only for MPE type plugins that you can add those features for, or like? So now to answer that question, so yeah. it has a built so it has a built in sound engine. It's uh, based on the Egan Matrix, which is Ed Egan and you know what the work that he did with Lippolpakin. Uh, so they I guess they have a relationship with them that they were able to put mm. this sound engine inside of the instrument. It's basically built on like physical modeling kind of technology, although I think there's a little bit of other stuff kind of mixed into the to the hole there. Um, and it works really, really well with this kind of uh, playing experience, the physical modeling, because it, it can be so organic sounding. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, um, you know, anybody out there who has experience with really good physical models knows that it's a different experience than playing with samples, like some of the mm. SWAM stuff that uh, you know is out there from Audio Modeling, which is actually a partner of mine in GeoShred. That those kind of instruments, you just feel like they're just so real. You know, even like playing the cello on on uh, GeoShred is an incredible feeling, right? So similarly with the Osmos, you play some of these models, whether they're like a wind instrument or a string, and you just feel like they're incredibly organic. But the fact that they built that sound engine with this physical keyboard is a great marriage. It really, really works. That's part of the success I feel with this instrument. And so how are you finding that it's altering your the way that you play? And could you envisage that style, if there is a different style, working its way into music that you're recording? I mean, it's all kind of like an opening of the mind because, you know, it's a new uh, experience for me and it's opening up new possibilities. 
So, I mean, I'll surely bring it into like the dream theater sessions, mm-hmm. you know, and see how I can do cool stuff with it. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the things I've been really enjoying is playing like old classic songs. I mean, old classic like songs from movies or like show tunes or like playing Summertime by Gershwin mm-hmm. and like doing all the bending. And I mean, it's the kind of thing where I could imagine doing a solo concert mm. on like if they ever come out with the an osmos 88 or a take two with them and have one hand on each or i mean it's just so you know mm-hmm. it's all about like performance and just this whole thing but yeah i think anybody who plays it if they're really like if they're really open to it there's a lot of things to discover and new techniques and therefore maybe like some new music that can come out of it as well Besides that, I don't really like the keyboard, but uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Music Tech My Forever Studio podcast is supported by Audion, makers of the Evo 16 and Evo SBA interface, as well as the Evo Expanded system. Yes, building on Audion's 25 years of design heritage, the Evo range of audio interfaces and preamps provides stacks of I.O. and professional-level audio performance alongside innovative new features like Smart Gain and Motion UI designed to make recording easy and to enable you to focus on the creative process. And all of that is without breaking the bank. Yes, multi-channel Smart Gain means you can dial in microphone gain automatically for up to 24 microphones at once, and all in less than 20 seconds. Great for drummers or full band recordings. That's right, the Evo 16 interface serves up a massive 24 ins and outs, including 8 preamps with Smart Gain. And each SP8 provides another 8 intelligent Evo preamps, advanced ADDA converter tech, and a versatile range of I.O. connectivity, including two JFET instrument inputs. The Evo SP8 is designed to be the perfect partner for your existing audio interface and rounds out the Evo expanded system. Visit audient.com for more information and to explore the Evo expanded system. Three more left. And you, well, haven't, got any, you haven't got any speakers yet. Just uh... I know, there's no speakers. Um, mm. And I was just, I've been thinking about speakers lately. I really love the sound that, that Stephen had in his studio. This, those Genelec speakers sounded amazing. So I was thinking, well, um, let me let me get some of those. What model he had exactly, I don't recall. They're the smaller ones that he had kind of like positioned all over the room. I'm sure, I'm, I don't know, if I had unlimited resources, maybe I'm making a bad choice. Um, so I don't know. You'll have to, I'll have to get your, you guys, your your advice. Genelex are, are a pretty popular choice. I've got, I've got some there. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, they sounded incredible. <laughs> I was just yeah. like, wow, this is a good sound. I don't know whether that builds into Atmos. I'm sure it does at some point. Mm-hmm. They've got that SAM technology, haven't they? This SAM. SAM. Yeah. Oh. That, that can like yeah. model to the room as well. Oh, nice, nice. So, yeah, maybe if the general people hear this, they'll help make that dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's do Genelex. Right. Yeah. Right. If you're listening in Finland, get them a message. You really enjoyed the Atmos experience, but what was it about the Atmos specifically that was amazing? Well, I mean, I grew up playing classical music, but then I, you know, after I discovered the Mini Moog, which mm. was probably one of the instruments sim- in a similar way to the Osmos that really like blew my mind and changed mm. my life. Um, then I started, but I started, I wasn't playing the Mini Moog in the traditional way. I was playing it with one hand on the keyboard and constantly one hand on the knobs because mm-hmm. I was listening to a lot of uh, Morton Zabotnik and like tangerine dream and you know just kind of things that were very very spacey and cool and you know feeding my mind and my musicality with all kinds of other things too that were 
shall we say, mind expanding. <laughs> so, the, so the whole idea of moving sound around in the, in, you know, the early days, it wasn't so much about moving sound around the room. It was more about just creating these cool sonic spaces. So, you know, I'm a perfect like candidate for, you know, somebody to be in that world of moving sound around the room. And um, in my mind, I, I imagine like, you know, when I get this all set up, doing an album that is very much about the experience, not just like, oh, we'll place the vocal in the middle and we'll put this here, we'll mm. put that there and do a nice little thing. I'm imagining, you know, and riffs that just kind of yeah. fly by your head and, you know, doing mm. real cool things and, and, and using it more as an experience. So, yeah. It seems to work perfectly with the keyboard you've chosen as well, though. I think so. You know, the one thing that uh, my friend David Earl, who's the Logic project manager, um, he was telling me is that you use it mostly when your tracks are kind of like done, like you do the track. Mm. You, you, when you put, I mean, you guys probably know, but when you put something in the Atmos mode, it's, it's like a totally different mode of operation. So it's almost like the piece needs to be done. All the tracks are there. And then you can sit and be in, right. in Atmos mode and then start mm -hmm. playing with things. What, uh, what I, and I'm sure everybody else really wants is I want to be able to draw it like automation when I'm, when yeah. I'm working. So I go, I want to make a line similarly to what you can do after the fact now, but uh, you know, it's frustrating to me. Yeah. Or like an app with a 3d kind of, you know, swiping around a space on an app in real time. Yeah. During the process yeah. of work of yeah. creating the music, not, not imagining it. And then later on going, Oh, I think this was the sound that I wanted to go to mm. spin around your head, you know, like, or, or being able to assign things as well, like even like you were saying with that keyboard, but being able to assign sections of it to different spaces. So as you move to certain notes or to certain things, you know. Yeah, I mean, you you can do all that, but it has to be after, Afterwards, you know, yeah. at, when you're in that mode, in the Atmos mode. Ah. I mean, that's got to come, hasn't it? With uh, There's so many more spaces being built. I know in the UK, especially, there's lots, so many more like interactive atmos and those kind of 3d kind of spaces and 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 uh, right. performance areas whether it's visually right. or, or audio as well um, <clears throat> they've got to so be yeah i know it's, it's got to be coming working. for that they're working so, on that ability for sure yeah it's coming and have you tried much of the the spatial audio that apple's doing have you tried that's that any of the head tracking stuff or yeah i have a pair of the air what do they call the AirPod max something mm. like that yeah uh, matter of fact david was just telling me that that um we should try that. I should give that a try. Of course, it's binaural, binaural, right? When you yeah. when you do all that, so but that'll be the first experiment. For Before sure. we send the system out to your Hawaiian island <laughs> mountain, <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably. I, I was still well, let's not cancel the system yeah. order yet. Let's just <laughs> keep that yeah. in place, right? That would be. It'd be Keep probably it going. advisable. Yeah. Um, so we're going for Genelex, the big, 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 nice Genelex Atmos system, right? Let's you do got that. that locked in. Yes, okay. I think that would be a nice improvement. So two um, more items left. We've got. We're on to item number five now. Well, let's see. Do I, we're able to make sound, right? And I can play. I just want to make sure the basics are uh, are yeah. covered. Mm. Yeah. You can make sound, and you can hear sound. Yeah. This is probably a funny choice for some people, but for me, it's a logical choice. I definitely need to have an iPad Pro on this in the studio with me. Okay. Because Ooh. so many of the things I do are touch-based app experiences. So that's one of my main kind of instruments. Well, we're we're skating dangerously close to this being a bundle because I feel like <laughs> you want this to have many apps on it. Would I be right in thinking you're you want this to be an app filled 
iPad Pro. If you just had to pick one app, okay. I mean, each app is a different is a different uh, thing. Like, I'm going to run out of stuff in the studio pretty soon. Well, what's the, what's the decision making <laughs> yeah. process? What What are the options in your mind? What are you bouncing between here? Oh uh, well, if I only had to have one app, I guess I'd have to have GeoShred, which is my uh, creation that plays all the beautiful physical models and everything. So. Let's do that. Okay, iPad with GeoShred locked in. Yeah. For those who don't know GeoShred, tell us about it. Yeah, so um, so GeoShred is an instrument that I designed in partnership with a team that was out of Stanford University's Karma division, which, of course, is the place where they invented physical modeling, and they also invented FM synthesis. And my partner, Julia Smith, is one of the inventors of physical modeling. So it's his team uh, of two other guys, Pat Scandalis and Nick Percaro, they're the, they're the team that I developed GeoShred with. Um, so what it is, it's an interesting marriage of playing surface and sound design. Uh, and it, it really works. I tried to make an instrument that you could, for, one of the first goals was was on, an, on a smaller iPhone, and I wanted to make an instrument that you could play from the bottom of the range to the top, even though it's such a small surface. Mm. So there's some interesting features which let you play like on the same, well, you can almost think of it as like string or row, where it'll play through or an arpeggio from low to high, like really amazing kind of like cool cycling of uh, notes throughout the entire range. Mm. Um, but the instrument, so the instrument's physically model-based, but the cool thing about it is the pitch intelligence. So the pitch intelligence is something I've been working on since the beginning, since MorphWiz. What I wanted to be, what I always wanted to be able to do, and what you can do on GeoShred really well, is you can slide and do all the fretless kind of playing stuff. But when your finger lands on a note anywhere on the screen and it first lands there, it's going to be rounded and to in the, in the amount of time that you decide in the programming but basically you can think of it as your hand lands in a spot it's going to play the note in perfect intonation and then as soon as you move your finger then it starts to track and then it doesn't start it it will track your finger and so you can do a really beautiful vibrato when that's only half of the half of the equation but what happens when you go from point a or from to point B, like you play C, it's perfectly in tune. You have vibrato, and then you go da, and you want to slide up to the G. Well, okay, so then we figured out a way. So when your finger gets to the G, and your finger kind of like comes to rest for a moment, it will pull it in, and it'll be perfect intonation again until you move your finger. So what ends up happening is you've got kind of this like magic music machine that lets you do all these what I like to call like you know, Steve Vai, Jeff Beck, kind of like pitch bends, like really mm. amazing stuff that only certain guys could do, like with their whammy or their pitch wheel or something like that. So you get all this unique control. And what happened with GeoShred actually, very interestingly, is that we put it out and then the uh, Indian music market, the Carnatic uh, musicians picked up on it because they can do all their, if you ever seen anybody playing like uh, GeoShred in the Carnatic style, it's absolutely mind blowing. I didn't know about this when I conceived of this instrument with my partners, we didn't know. But these guys, like people like artists like Mahesh Raghavan, you know, just doing mind blowing stuff, like articulations and phrasings, and this is so much pitch control. 
And matter of fact, GeoShred has been the kind of like, well, GeoSynth before that, but GeoShred has been kind of like the, the instrument app that I work with to show when I, when I advise other companies as far as like being able to have a fretless instrument that can be also in tune. Yeah. Mm. I use GeoShred because the algorithm that, that does that kind of magic, almost magnetic pulling to the note and then tracking your finger is probably the best of any, the, any of the instruments that I've played on. And again, I've been working on this for how many years, but, but it's kind of like the model. If you want to do yeah. that, you have to study how that, how that really tracks. Well, it's a fine balance, isn't it? Like, like you said before, where you want all the expressiveness, but nobody wants to be out of tune. You don't want to be out of tune. Yeah, absolutely. So GeoShred does, does that. But the other thing that's kind of cool is that you can have it locked down so you can have it quantized to a scale. Mm. But even when you quantize to a scale, when you go da 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 and you run your finger and you stop on a note, you can still vibrato it. So it's a little yeah. cool yeah. minor musical miracle. So, um, yeah, that's what GeoShred's about. So it sounds like there's a lot of overlap there in what you've been describing in GeoShred with what you were describing on the Osmos as well. Yeah, yeah. well, it's about, it's a, for me, you know, one of my missions in my life and my music is to, is using technology to push the art of expression you know when when i grew up and you know you guys know when when electronic instruments first came out there were all these people saying oh it's not expressive you know mm. that's just it's not like a not like a real instrument it's not like a piano or a violin or this or that but you know what we've come a very very long way where now the we're using technology to a point where it's you know, in many ways, much more sensitive to our physical, you know, tactile sensibility than anything else, than anything in the, you know, acoustic kind of world. Not to take away from like, a, you know, a violin or a piano, any of that. I think I have, you know, my, my respect for those instruments is as high as it could possibly be. But mm. my respect for technology and expression and pushing the boundaries of what's possible is also, you know, completely in, yeah. engaged. And it's about finding those tools that work, that service the music that you're trying to create yeah. and the, or the art that you're trying to make. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's pushing things on and it's not necessarily deleting things of the past. No, no, no. And basically what the main thing that needs to be said, I guess, is that the old argument that uh, that electronic instruments are not expressive is is for anybody who knows anything about what's going on is out the window. It doesn't apply. So if you hear anybody say that, just walk out of the room. It doesn't make any. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's yeah. you know not what's it's not what's happening now. We've come mm-hmm. to a point, you know, where they're very very sensitive to your touch. You know, and it's pretty cool. We're on the final item before we have a little rundown and get to the luxury item. So what's the final item of the studio going to be now? Um, I think that I would need to have my mini mode with me. Ah, that's that's mm-hmm. just to complete the complete the kind of circle of life, you know. Is this the same one that blew your mind, that changed things? Yeah, the original, you know, mini Moog. Just that's the one, you know. So what what year was this when you purchased? Is this sort of 70s? I think it was 1973 when I 73. got my first one. And the one that I think is right in back of me. Still in great condition. Yeah. Well, that one. Okay. So thanks to my buddy, Eric Norlander, he, um, he found that one for me. Okay. Uh, basically, I, I, I had some, I had like a Voyager and a classic, a couple of things that Moog had made years later, which are cool. 
But I was like, I really want to have an original Minimo because, you know, back then at some point I sold it. Oh, so that's not the original. Okay, so you, you sold it. Oh, yeah. It's not my original. Right. right. Yeah, this one is an original one. Yes. It's this was work, you know, just re kind of reconditioned and brought up to a beautiful place. Was it was in good condition as it was. So tell us the story of uh if if it's not too personal about why you sold it and was it for something that you thought was gonna be because a lot of people replace that gear with, you know, something digital with loads of presets or, you know, things like that. Oh yeah. Um well I sold it um <laughs> I needed money. <laughs> yeah. well there is that that's why i said it. you know it yeah. could just be it could just be let's leave it at that <laughs> all you needed to eat and pay the rent yeah there's, there's that you know we yeah. Uh, yeah yeah right right it wasn't the best move i ever made let's put it that way <laughs> yeah but now nowadays i can't part with any of my keyboards and that's part of the problem i think after selling that mini mode i was like what the fuck did i yeah. just do it was the stupidest move <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> yeah. right so now you have to drag keyboards out of my house right? <laughs> fair fair all right then jordan well will is going to do you a little rundown of what we got while he's doing the rundown take a listen and think about what you will have as your luxury item your luxury item isn't something it's not a piece of gear it's just something else you might want in the studio and it can be as oh. eccentric or as wild or as something that you've always had in studio to studio so Will, do us a little rundown. Uh, listen, listen to this. This is what you got so far. Okay. I should take notes. <laughs> We're on a Hawaiian mountaintop in your studio, which is full of natural light. It has views over the water through giant windows. It has a clean, modern aesthetic. Inside your studio, for your free items, you've chosen, Jordan, the biggest and best Mac Studio. We've gone with Studio just because it's got the latest chips in. For your interface, we've chosen a Universal Audio X16. For your DAW, we have chosen Logic Pro X. And then onto your items, your first was a Steinway Model D rebuilt by Faust Harrison Piano. Your microphones are a pair of earthworks pm40 piano mics your first synthesizer is an expressive e osmos for your speakers you've chosen a genelec atmos system i've made the the call to for that to be an 8341 and 738714 atmos <laughs> system if you don't mind <laughs> Sounds nice. I love yeah, those numbers. Mm. Mm, numbers. Yeah, um, right, right. So your penultimate one is an iPad Pro loaded with GeoShred. And your final choice was the Minimoog Model D. How does that work, do you think, for your studio? I think I could be quite happy. Nice. I think, yeah, <laughs> I think fine, it's pretty yeah. good. And right. are we going to go for the Minimoog that you sold? We'll get that back for you. Oh, yeah, we got to get yeah, that yeah, That yeah. one oh, yeah. was the right one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. For sure. We'll get that back. Thanks for thinking of that. <laughs> yeah, we, need to, we need to find it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as much as I like this one, that one was even yeah. better. Um, so that leaves us uh, with the final item, your luxury item. Now, is there anything that you've moved from studio to studio that isn't a piece of gear that you always have? You know, something on the wall or... Or do you want to create the most eccentric choice? You know, we have that too. Yeah, I think what, I think, I think what we need to do is create something really amazing and have a like a... Every wall that's not the window, the the really large window that we're imagining, yep. has to be a video wall. Mm. Has to be a high resolution video wall where I could put any environment, any. I could even take some of the tracks I'm working on instead of looking at whatever monitor. I could use the 
the wall as my monitor. So it's like a 4K video screen everywhere. So it looks like yeah, like yes. Yeah, like something you'd go see in like a Disney uh, exhibit or yeah. something. Well, all those all those fil- those film studios they're doing now with those. What's the one we've got? One up in is it in Edinburgh? I think, and it's like an LED curtain that's like eight K or something, and then they project. Wow! So instead of doing green screen, actors are in like an environment, but it's kind of like, but it's such good quality that when you film it, it just looks like it's there. Wow, that sounds cool. So, that's how they shot the Mandalorian as well. Yeah. Oh, is that the Mandalorian? That's how they did it. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that would have to be my final, uh, my final idol. That is that's a good choice. That's a classy choice as well. Yeah, very classy right. choice. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's an expensive choice. Cool, cool. Yeah, ex- excellent. You got to go. It's a luxury, isn't it? It's yeah. a luxury one. I, I'll have to. Um, you know what I'll have to do is I'll have to use AI to design the studio. Like I'll type it in, <laughs> text to image. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See what it looks like. We should do that. Will actually, yeah. we should. Uh, we should ask ChatGPT to. Uh, we should some some of the guests that we haven't had on the show. We should get it to predict their dream studio and write us what it is, and then see if it matches up. Oh, see how nice. smart this, this guy is. So <laughs> right, right. Whoever's back yeah. there, like making the ChatGPT decisions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you been playing with this then, Jordan? Have you been investigating the AI stuff much? Well, yeah, I'm totally into ChatGPT. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to have it write all the new lyrics for the next Dream Theater album. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sean Petrucci's nightmare right there. Although I although we had I had some fun because we were on the bus and I said like write lyrics. I forget what the topic was. I'm like write lyrics about the beautiful sunny day of the style of John uh, Petrucci from Dream Theater. And of course, you know, Chat GPT just does it. I don't know. There's so many amazing things that Chat GPT can do it's gonna come out that it's not it's not ai it's just like a warehouse full of like unemployed dudes yeah well i often <laughs> joke i i i joke i joke with some of my friends who were working on ai like that we should have like i could set up a little space in my house like so like you're at your house and say i, re- I want to have a piano piece that's like really moody it's about you know two minutes long in the key of g with a beautiful melody and a nice moving chord progression over time and then, you know, so I, it comes to me or one of the experts there. I see it. I improvise something for two minutes and yeah. whatever you said, I send it back. And they go, oh, my God, this AI is incredible. <laughs> well, they, they actually, that that did happen, though, didn't it? With a lot of, uh, like, a lot of startups in the kind of fintech kind of stuff and that kind of, where they say, oh, we're going to find out investments and all this. And they just literally had huge call centers in oh you know God. in developing countries of people just like running the maths and running all the stats manually and then they go yeah you just put it in this machine and it comes out but it's basically like exactly like what you said just like an email to a load right. of people and right. Right. God, hey. get on it guys right. yeah amazing but it's a way to get the investment and then they go oh, we should invest more in this amazing technology yeah, it's called loads of people there's there's a new uh, there's a new piece of technology that I've kind of invested my time in. I'm going to show it at NAM too. It's uh, it's um, this thing called Rippler. It's with a very nice gentleman from the UK. Mm. His name is John Bell, and he's been working in AI music for a while. It's, and this is kind of AI related, although he's not really AI. It's more like many you know thousands of lines of code mm-hmm. that make it do what it's doing. Um, but the basics of it are that you can use Rippler to create riffs. So you can put it like in a, you can put it in a, 
category, like in the beta version, we have, uh, would never come out this way, but in my beta version, we have like dream theater as a category mm -hmm. and you can go into like a song, like endless sacrifice and hit play. Right. And it literally will play a riff that's very much like the endless sacrifice riff, but not the same. Mm -hmm. And then you can hit create riff. And every time you hit the create riff button, it will create another riff that's very much like it, but it's different. And then you've got some parameters, like you can set the uh, rhythmic gap, you can set the range, or you can set how many runs you want within the riff. So maybe if it's, you know, playing like a basic riff, all of a sudden it'll add some like faster notes to it. Um, we're training it now to play in Jordan kind of like mode mm -hmm. to do like leads and stuff like that. Matter of fact, at the NAMM show, we'll show it where you can have like endless mode, which is just basically start it. And every time it reaches its four or eight bar, whatever it is ending point it automatically starts the next riff that it just created so it'll do like the the riffs and you could put the leads with it the jordan kind of in, in the jordan style leads and have them in sync put them both in endless mode and go have lunch <laughs> it's it's sick and and is it output in audio or midi or either or and both oh wow okay yeah okay um, if you guys are at the NAMM show, stop by. Yeah, we will I'll be do. At, uh, I'll be at Triple G Ventures. Okay. Actually showing that incredible piece of technology. It's mind-blowing. And, and like I think that what's going to happen is all the companies out there, when they see what it does, they're going to want it. They're going to want to license it because it's really phenomenal. And is this why you've bought so many guitars recently? Um, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> well, why did I buy so many guitars recently? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I got a I got this guitar bug all of a sudden. Yeah. Where I just all wanted, really wanted to learn how to play. One of the interesting uh, guitars that I played, which relates to our music technology talk, mm. is the um, is the Lava guitar. The La this company called Lava Music, and I, they're doing some great things with guitars. They have uh, they have a guitar that almost looks like it has an, uh, an iPhone in it, right? Yeah. It's really cool. It's a very cool. It does more than you would think it could do. But it has, um, you know, obviously it's got a tuner built in. It's got a speaker built in. Some kind of old mic that picks up the sound. Um, uh, it's got effects built in, so reverbs and choruses and octavers and all the stuff. And the model that I have or the model they put out is like an acoustic guitar. Mm. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I think I've seen it. It's made from yeah. carbon fiber, I think. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weatherproof, if you will. Um but I'm having a really good time. It has practice mode, so it'll, like, you can test your ear. It'll play a note you'll hear it and then you have to play the right note back and it'll keep score and tell you if you're right or <laughs> it'll look at your rhythm it'll tell you if you're if you can strum like in time wow. as well it's got a looper in it you can like just start looping or a recorder uh, really really cool stuff i mean I, I was i was the way i found it as i was you know being into technology as i am i was thinking yeah that'd be makes so much sense like you know, for a guitar to have what you need built into it. Like, why yeah. do I need to have a separate, you know, distortion box or a chorus or this or that? Like, most guitarists hate all that though, don't they? This is the thing. It's, they've tried to do this. I mean, I think it's coming around slowly, but they've tried for so long. Like, I remember reviewing the Moo guitar and like, that was amazing. Yeah. yeah right. And, right. and, you know, there's been lots of guitars like that with built in effects and, and really cool stuff and smart guitars yeah yeah and Gibson had that one as well that had like an output for every string which was kind of interesting mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah I remember taking a look at that that was great and they, they were all like flops and it's a shame like hopefully I like, think people are coming around like 
but I think a lot of old school guitarists like having like all the little pedals and like collecting them all. And yeah, but there's also which which is interesting is a certain mentality in guitarists that they like things to be fairly simple. Yeah. Mm. So for me, like when I pick up this this lava guitar, I love it because I pick it up and I don't have to plug it into anything, and I've got like reverb and chorus coming yeah. right out of the guitar. Mm. Yeah, it's like a real pleasure, you know. And it's so simple. I'm not. I don't have any wires. There's no amps. Yeah. The out external amps. I'm just playing it, and it's. It's uh, it's like joyful, you know. Yeah. Bring it to a campfire. You got the effects you need coming right out of the thing. So to me, that makes it's almost like the way the reason I like certain like iPad apps because I've got my iPad Pro and I can just it's got you know it's big enough that the speakers are actually pretty good mm, yeah. and I can play. I can have GeoShred or whatever and be jamming and it's got all the effects and it sounds great. And I'm walking around with my instrument that's this iPad. You know, it's yeah. interesting. No, it does make a difference. So it's it's why like. I, I like having like even if it's kind of a crappy keyboard, a keyboard that just you switch on and it just plays sound out of it. And you can play piano on it, or obviously a real piano would be nice. But it's mm. you don't want to have to switch on the computer and yeah, plug stuff in when you just want to play. And yeah, it's, yeah, right. Mm. That's why I like my Steinway. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Just play. Right? Yeah, don't have to turn it on. That's great flex as well. Yeah, it's a great flex. <laughs> it's a it's a top flex. Uh, right, right. Well. That brings us to the end of the show anyway, but thank you so much for joining us, Jordan. It's been a real pleasure and a real insight as well and some, some unique choices that we've not had on the show before, mm. which is always great. Um, so Awesome, guys. All that's left to say is thank you so much. Uh, we'll either see you at NAMM or see you on the road in uh, 2023. See you Woo! on the road. That, that, that's my line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jordan. Another amazing podcast filled with Hawaiian Island cliches, but we got Grand Piano and high technology in there as well as we expect from jordan so yeah loved it what do you reckon will yeah loved the having the geo shred in there i know it's his own app so yeah, we'll yeah surprising that yeah <laughs> we'll allow it we'll allow it yeah but you should definitely go and check out in the show notes we've put in a, a link out to some microtonal music made on geo shred which is super interesting but i will say and this is just going forward the atmos system is becoming a trend feels like a, a rule bend not sure how i feel about it but uh, go away and think about it Will lock, lock down those rules we might have to we might have yeah. to lovely well all that's left to say is thank you so much for tuning into the My Forever Studio podcast and we will catch you next time for more adventures in studio of Foreverdom goodbye bye bye <laughs>